I never used to realize how important culture was as an integral part of understanding an organization and how we can support, help, and elevate. But I remember a situation where I dropped into a plant and met a new plant manager for which we had just acquired the company. And he said, I don't really need your help. You know, so many leaders come to my site and say, we're here to help. You need to spend some time here and understand the people, the process, and the culture. And you know, that was the best advice I ever received from a leader because after I spent the time necessary to understand the culture and what did work, we soon realized the work that I could do in order to serve and elevate his business unit. And so culture is such an important part of the work that I do and also written into my book, The CEO's Compass. But more importantly, let me introduce to you my guest, Eric Reed, because integral to the work that he does is the foundational work in culture. Let's listen. When there's not definition of culture, when there's not clarity on culture, we run the risk of what's a culture clutter. And like anything that's cluttered, it keeps you off the course. It makes the path harder to follow. And so how do you make that go away? Well, I would just say two things. When I think about culture clutter, the number one rule is a culture is not made by you for the employees. A culture is made by the employees with your consent on how to govern that business. Culture is different than laws and rules. So laws and rules are made by the company of how they want to be. The culture has to evolve within that and it's determined by the people. It doesn't mean whatever the people want to do, the people rule, but they have to have a say in it. They have to be able to buy into it. And the second thing is you have to have a North Star metric. If you want to create culture, and you want to have a sustainable growth model, your first step is coming up with one metric that everybody can contribute to. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I welcome you back to another show of the Drop-In CEO podcast. I have the honor of speaking to amazing leaders and share their insights with you. If you like this program, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And today is my honor. I have the honor of meeting Eric Reed. He is an amazing human. He has very unique insights that I'd like to share with you. But first, he never has trouble finding experience to learn from, whether from leadership positions in media companies, building out marketing and sales infrastructure, strategically positioning revenue for startup acquisition or challenging people. And this is what I love to rethink. And as host of Take 5, the Rethink Marketing Podcast, a renaissance man whose expertise has been honed through a variety of perspectives, Eric's success in business growth is rooted in his proven sales and marketing leadership and sophisticated marketing media strategies. And he believes in people 
and the power of human in today's business world. And fast forward, just something that he shared with me and his bio that I really, really resonate with is his passion and belief for people. It's not about being perfect. It's about being present every day. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Deb. I'm excited to be on. And first of all, thank you. It's not often that somebody says amazing humans, so I appreciate that. I am big on rethinking, and thank you. It was a great introduction. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And one of the reasons that I kind of turn to my listeners here, because I want to draw you into this conversation. When I come across somebody, first of all, we've got to have some common beliefs that humans or people are the greatest tool in your toolbox. And then through our experiences, whether we're in marketing or operations, how can we not only help solve the technical issues, but help to elevate them? And so Eric and I were really lockstep in that, but he also has some really, really interesting perspectives. And I love what he talks about is just rethinking. I talk about thinking differently. He talks about rethinking. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your personal life, your journey, and more about the work you're doing now for our listeners. Well, sure. So rethink is big for me because, you know, whether we're calling it rethinking, whether we're calling it just thinking things critically or looking at them from different angles, I think it's important that we take stock in the day. You mentioned not being perfect, but being present. To me, that's all about rethinking. And so throughout my career, I and I wish I could say that this is just the way that I was wired, but I had a lot of people who influenced me and meant a lot to me in my career, previous CEOs that I worked for, etc. I try to absorb a lot of the not the psychology, but just who they are, the makeup, how they relate to people. I mean, I think we will all want to be in environments that allow us to thrive and kind of foster who we are. And so with that in mind, I was in media quite a bit, Gannett, USA Today Network, Media News Group, built call centers for the media companies as they were trying to compete with the digital onslaught for Monster, etc. But along that journey, I was always leading and creating sales teams and go-to-market strategies. And so where I just found happiness, where I found a home, where I found success, frankly, was really understanding what individual people offer, what individual people contribute to a culture, and the understanding that I believe everybody generally wants to do a good job in whatever they're doing when they wake up that day. So there's really no bad employees. I know that's going to be, well, wait a minute, of course there is. I think there's people who aren't fitting the model and maybe something happened between getting up in the morning and before they got into work where they don't come across as a good employee. So there could be problems we have to deal with, but I do believe in people. And so my journey has always been about trying to understand why people do what they do and offering support to business leaders, CEOs, decision makers around what your vision is, making sure the company buys into it. So that's what Read 5 Group is. I've kind of jump like five-year increments here, Deb. But my point is I was in media building teams and I just had this calling to do more and work with companies, very small capacity. I don't look to work with 20 companies. I look for a very small niche amount of companies that I can give my time to and really help them get their sales and marketing communicating and driving things in the right direction. So kind of a long-winded response to what my journey was, but none of our journeys are over. We're in the midst of them. 
Couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for sharing all of that. We are still evolving. People talk about people being afraid of change, but or afraid of taking risks. But I choose to kind of take the position of we're always evolving, whether we try something, take a risk, and it didn't work, then people can take the position of cowering back, well, I'll go back to doing that. I'm not going to try that again. To somebody who has a mindset of like, well, I tried that. I know that didn't work, but let me try something else. And that's the way we learn and evolve. I think we're always evolving. I try to help people to evolve because obviously that's how they're going to be more fulfilled. But before we just dig in a little bit, tell us more about Read 5. I know I talked about that. Where did that come from? I'm asked this quite a bit, and I love that I'm asked this. Read 5, to answer your question directly at a high level, Read 5 is a niche agency that I run. It's a 5 to 10 employee size company. The amount of employees change based on the accounts that we have. And a lot of times when you're consulting or working specifically agency services for a client, bring on people to support that. But it's an agency that we built out to help companies really align their leadership teams with the company vision, with a company mission statement, with the culture, all the things that you have to have to be successful. And so when you use the term agency, people think, well, they're doing ad campaigns or doing all that stuff, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's such an evolved space now. Yes, we can do that. We have plenty of marketing savvy, but our real passion is working with the leadership team to really get buy-in from top down and have them achieve what they always wanted to achieve or have trouble getting to it. So why did we do it? Why is it read five? There's five people in my family. Just to give you the quick answer, if you were to see around my house, the number five is everywhere. My wife has custom cut five. I've hand cut a few in the garage with some saws and so forth to get them up. But five is a significant number for us. And it just kind of sets me, settles me on a daily basis to understand that what we're doing and why we're doing it is for my family. I mean, not to sound corny, but we all need to have that North Star that drives us. And that's it for me. Okay. So I'm getting emotional here because we're <laughs> going a little bit in that emotional segment here, but let's just stay there a little bit. So read five, beautiful story, Illumination Partners. It was me going into a hardware store when I was a little lost, knowing I wanted to do something and then looking up at the beautiful lights in the light section and just drawn in like a child looking at a firefly or a beautiful light. And I started seeing like venues and places that I would work. I'm drawn to beautiful light. I take pictures of beautiful chandeliers and lights. And then the parallel, I could see myself on a stage. I could see myself going into a place where I bring other people together to do this purposeful work. And it's also about helping others see the light. Again, they're a little bit off track. They're growing. They're changing. They're looking to find that cultural direction or rejuvenation. And it's my role to help them see the light so they can get back on track and do the work that they're technically able. So there's such meaning sometimes. And that's how we build a beautiful culture, even for ourselves. Yeah, that's a great story. And really what that is, if you take a look at the two examples that were given there, you don't start businesses. There's no hard and fast rule, in my opinion. You don't start businesses because you're just trying to make money. I know that sounds crazy, but you start businesses because you're passionate about something or because you can buy into it or align with it. And so it's so important. I mean, that's really the early step of brand. Does the community buy into it? Do you buy into it? Is there something behind it that you can get excited about? And so I do think that before you even take your first step in business, as much as we don't think a name really matters, a name means a heck of a lot to the mission and to the culture that you're trying to build. All right. So we could probably talk about our business journeys. It's a beautiful thing. And entrepreneurship is mm -hmm. a roller coaster. But anyway, <laughs> but moving forward, because we're here now talking, I want to talk about the profile of the companies. You say you talk about 
I only need a few small or certain number of clients to do that passionate work, but I want to make sure that the audience understands the kind of client that you really are passionate about working with and are ready to receive your insights and services. Tell me what that company looks like. What is the leadership feeling at that moment in time when they meet you and you guys decide to work, move forward? Because if somebody's listening right now, I want them to say that's me. So that's a great question. And the reality is I can help and other people can help companies that are struggling. And I'm happy to do that. But the perfect fit client for what I provide, I suspect many other people in the space provide, is that small to medium-sized business that is profitable. Maybe they're making money. Maybe the bottom line is good, but something doesn't feel right. It's not achieving the potential they want it to achieve. They're managing the job and not living the life that they thought they're going to have. And I'm not, when I say living the life, I'm not getting into like the life coaching, like Tony Robbins and some other qualified people. I'm talking about you created this business with others, blood, sweat, and tears. You have a vision. It's profitable. You're not at risk of losing anything, but it's just not what you thought it would be. And so typically that's the client that I deal with who's ready to say, listen, I know that we have a good business. Maybe it was a transition from a legacy business that's gone from a grandfather to a father to a son, et cetera, and somebody has new ideas. And so the first thing that we always find is if you don't think that you have an issue potentially of wanting to grow or dealing with something, sometimes it's as simple as you might not like the structure of the internal structure of maybe you have the right people in the wrong chairs and the wrong people in the right chairs, et cetera. And so a lot of times it's just really a company that's saying, I just want something a little bit different. I, we don't need to rethink our product. We might need to rethink how we're branding. We might need to put a company vision in place. My guess is most companies, if you were to ask around the company, you'd be lucky if 50% of the people actually knew what the mission statement was of the vision. Is that important? I don't know if you've raised children, I guess, ask yourself if you needed to have some rules and some understanding of what happened in the house because a business is no different. And so if that's not clearly communicated, that's a perfect client to deal with. Now, can you do it on your own? Yeah, I'm not saying you can't do it on your own, but you need to talk to somebody outside of the company who can really help you see things that you might be too close to, to understand the significance of them. Thank you. But I'm curious, how much of your work when you work with the client, because you certainly have a significant experience in media, sales, and marketing, and then there's the culture component. Is it go hand in hand or often you're called just to help with the culture and the messaging? What does that look like, that experience? So most of the time, I'm called to lend some support and insight on the marketing departments. And inevitably, in those conversations, we discuss how marketing is non-existent without a cohesive relationship with sales and the rest of the organization and vice versa. And so marketing just seems to be the term that governs business right now. But my true passion is sales leadership. That's what I've cut my teeth on. That's what I've always liked. I like coaching and leading and having people achieve. But the marketing help is why most people reach out to me through references, through referrals, etc. And then in those conversations, what we find out is you think you have a marketing problem, Yes, we can stabilize your marketing, but you've got a sales issue. You've got a communication issue and you've got things that you probably knew that you had. And so that conversation just starts to peel things back a little bit. 
And then really my ultimate goal to be in a position where I can help companies is not to be a part of the leadership team. And it's not to be a consultant. And I want to cross that line there because I always felt like consultants are always right with all due respect to consultants. If you do what I say, I'm a genius. If it doesn't work, you didn't do what I say. I'm much more hands-on and much more willing to mark a line in the sand and own it and be accountable for it. And so the companies that really come to me to answer your question directly are looking for marketing help. But I'd say nine out of 10 times we find out that, yes, their marketing is discombobulated, but as we start to true that up and stabilize it, we're finding there's other damage that has been done from the supply chain, if you will. It's basic engineering. If there's a flaw in the assembly line, you can spend all day fixing where the problem's actually surfacing, where the actual door's being put on the car wrong. But the problem, you'll be chasing the tail all the time. You got to go back to the source and fix that. So getting the marketing on trap just points us to where the real issue might be. So this is why you are, I would consider, part of the drop-in CEO community because I, too, am a management consultant, but I choose not to have that as my label. But the drop-in CEO is somebody that does drop in. And yes, they'll solve the technical problem, but also really take a perspective and say, where is this all coming from or what really is the area of focus? We'll fix the technical problem, the marketing, the sales, et cetera. But there's something else there. And I also had an experience dropping into an organization, the interim head of quality. And yes, I can help them get a certification, solve some customer complaints. But I found was that the maturity of the leadership was at a point where they lived in the day, the transaction just to survive another day and ship another order. But instead, they lacked the capability to be able to create a strategy, a roadmap for, well, here's where you are today, but where do you need to go? Considering that you're going through rapid growth, what does that look like? They didn't even understand what that was, nor were they ever given the tools nor ever asked to do that. That's really what they need is to have more strategy and visionary leadership with that sense of purpose to complement their technical skills, but that keeps them in the day to day. As you're saying that, Deb, just real quick to chime in on that, it's to be very clear to your listeners, it's not everybody needs the service. You can have issues and still lead a full career, run your business and so forth. So this doesn't mean, hey, if you got that, you need to hire somebody like that. What this just means is Because here's what I know. If you're feeling like it tomorrow and you're feeling like it next week, you've probably felt this way for a month, six months, maybe a year. And so you have a choice to either live with it and deal with it, which you can do. Like I said, a lot of people do. Look at people's personal lives. People stay in things. I'm just saying if there's something that is really making you think, jot notes down on paper, go to your laptop and put in a note, whatever, There might be something there that's worth talking to somebody, a contact, a peer advisor, somebody who just can have lunch with you and just hear you out and be some kind of confidant. I think it's worth investigating if you're having those kind of feelings. A hundred percent. If you have those feelings, write the words down. They're going to speak to you at some point in the future in the form of support. I want to take this in another direction and thank you for all that. I want to go a little bit into your thought leadership and your certain perspectives. You talk about, from an organization perspective, breaking down culture clutter. I've never heard that before. I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, it's a great term because it says if you visualize what culture clutter could look like, it's like you walk into a sales floor, a marketing floor, an organization. It's an open room, but cubicles are just for the example. And There's nothing physically there, but if you could see the culture that everybody's bringing with them, it would be just a crowded, 
discombobulated stuff falling off people's desks. When there's not definition of culture, when there's not clarity on culture, we run the risk of what's a culture clutter. And like anything that's cluttered, it keeps you off the course. It makes the path harder to follow. And so how do you make that go away? Well, that's not a simple answer. I would just say two things. When I think about culture clutter, when I talk about culture clutter with clients is that the number one rule is a culture is not made by you for the employees. A culture is made by the employees with your consent on how to govern that business. Culture is different than laws and rules. So laws and rules are made by the company of how they want to be. The culture has to evolve within that and it's determined by the people. Doesn't mean whatever the people want to do, the people rule, but they have to have a say in it. They have to be able to buy into it. And The second thing is you have to have a North Star metric. And that's not my term. You've heard it out there. I've heard it from Sean Ellis, somebody I've spoken to in the marketing space is big on it. And it's true. If you want to create culture and you want to have a sustainable growth model, your first step is coming up with one metric that everybody can contribute to. It's not revenue because not everybody can contribute to that. The implication could be that revenue is pushing it. It could be the number of phone calls a day. It could be the number of phone calls a week. It could be something that everybody is responsible for. When you can find that, that's your North Star metric that you can revolve and have everybody buy in. And then you can take goals and lay them out on your individual departments or cultures and lay them out on your individual departments because obviously the culture is going to be different for sales as it would be for HR, et cetera. So I'm smiling here as you talk about that because it resonates so much with I too believe in peace of mind is the North Star in the CEO's compass that I talk about my approach. And I really appreciate the fact you say we need to celebrate everybody's culture. Yes, they have their unique qualities. Not to forget it, but bring some of it forward. And then I love your point about what is that one thing that everybody can align on. So I've seen quality policies or missions to be just the favorite of our customers and not just say we will have a 99% service level with them because if people can't contribute to that, they shut their eyes. They are just a transaction. But if they say, what can I do to create that excellent experience and be the favorite, even if it's with internal customers, everybody is march step in line with that and you do see an organization move forward. So beautiful. Love that. Just again, to chime in, one thing that I left out there is that the reason that the culture clutter also happens and what it looks like is, and again, I remember I had a job where I was ecstatic that a ping pong table, but culture is not a ping pong table. It's not a juice bar. It's not wear your favorite t-shirt on Friday. Those are just being humans in today's world. Culture is really about aligning with the company. And the number one reason that companies need culture, in my opinion, yes, retention of employees, yes, getting quality employees. But let's be honest, the community that you do business in, whether it's local, whether it's global, your business community, they care about your culture. And if you don't believe that, you need to start believing it because culture matters to anybody who's under the age of 30 right now. It should matter people beyond that, but you need to be aware it's huge. You bring up a good point. I was just asked recently, I think on a podcast, I was the guest and they said, what do you think about those people 30 and under about they're just jumping around? I said, well, they're in search of, first of all, they're trying to 
very risk takers. They're trying to rapidly learn as much as they can. They're looking for those experiences because they want to move up, but they also are seeking the companies that have that purposeful work, something they can align with. Because even today, I know some millennials, <laughs> it's not about the money, but just aligning with a purpose and cause and the money comes with if it's something they love and they're passionate and they'll stick with it. And absolutely great point. And I agree with you, but. I want to talk about, I think this pertains to the individual. Some of your work, you talk about the benefits of shrink your universe mentality. Never heard that before. Again, I'm a curious person. Tell me more about that. Shrink your universe. For me, I'm an avid tennis player. My son plays tennis. I will use an example. I mean, there's many examples. The shrink your universe, it's become a code word. You know, he looks at me, I can give him, he just knows that I'm saying it's shrink your universe. What that means is, Tennis is a game of just winning more points than the other person. You can't get lost in everything. The minimizing of what it takes to measure success one moment at a time, one step at a time, you have to shrink that universe. You have to really not get overwhelmed by all the things that are out there. It could translate to your to-do list. If there's 50 things on it, you're not going to get anything done. You have to prioritize them. You have to shrink. It's really about what's important and giving you clarity to say, I can do this and I can push myself out of it. So I used to fit I'm from Minnesota. We used to fish all the ice skating fish is what we did Deb, when I, when I was growing up, but fishing is all about, it's a huge lake. There's fish all over the place. Theoretically, I suppose you could throw a line in and catch a fish anywhere, but who wants to do that? There's no plan. It's too massive. So you really try to find these, what are, we call a sweet spot or a place where we know that there's fish. And so you kind of go there and do that first, and then you build outward. Part of the things that I talk about, I often say to my wife and just to other people that I know, I feel like I'm just talking about the basics, but I'm passionate about the basics. And somebody said to me that I respect, you're not talking about the basics. There's known truths in life and we just gloss them over and skate right by them. And so if we can get people just to stop and say, you know what, this is a known truth. I do know that, but I don't think about it enough. If you don't do the basics, you can't accomplish anything. Look at any sports team, any organization should be the same. The known truths, shrink your universe, focus on what you can control and then grow outward. That just is paramount in success. I don't know where to go with this because I'm starting to think, we talked about curling. I thought about curling as we were talking, because you're talking Minnesota. There's a lot of curling in Minnesota, <laughs> as well as if you're on a mission to grow a business, build a business, or to take control of your career, or I've got to take this company through, you do have to, for a while, niche down and absolutely focus because you can't be in a lot of different directions. But then as an entrepreneur, you have to be open to possibilities and things showing up because you never know where the next opportunity is. My curling story. <laughs> I got to bring it in. Yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> so again, one of our national championships, I can be the skip. I can be the captain of the team where my brain is in the strategy, giving direction to my leadership team, the players, etc. But when I am just a player on the team with a critical role and somebody else is the captain or the skip, I go to these competitions and I say, what time's the game? Where should I go? Is this the sheet we're supposed to be on? I get very, very, I'll use the word, stupid, because my brain is so focused. When the game starts, I have to be 100% on, so I don't give myself the bandwidth of all that other data. I am so focused on the game, heads down, sweep, deliver my stones to get the result, because I filtered out all the other potential noise that could distract me about the lighting and all the other people there. So I so agree with what you're saying. Pick a direction, pick a North Star, focus on it, and each day move in that direction to what you need to do. Again, it's a known truth, but 
basics are the difference between I think success and mediocrity. Thank you for that. So I'm just going to ask you another question. I have a sweet spot for the entrepreneur, the person that's stuck. There's a segment of people that listen to this podcast that they have been in business for themselves, maybe a solopreneur, an entrepreneur that hires contractors, COVID or other circumstances, they've lost their way. And so I'm wondering if some of your teachings, your philosophies, as you work with some of these small and medium-sized companies, getting their mindset aligned with the culture, and then, yes, tactically helping them. What can an individual do who's lost their way, something doesn't feel right? What can they maybe leverage from some of your insight to get them back on track? Well, I think the first thing is understanding why you might feel that way, and that's the million-dollar question. So if you're pondering it, what's making you feel that way? And I just would go back to this is that is we always know looking back what we would have done. So at the very first day we started our business, entered our venture, whatever it is that we're doing, if we would have written down exactly why we were doing it and what our goal was and what was the emotion that we were hoping to feel from it, et cetera, those kind of things. If somebody did that and they had it written down, great. They could go back and say, okay, if I read through that and wow, this isn't, I'm heading east now, this is all west, well, therein lies your problem. And maybe COVID took you out there, but it's the chance to shrink the universe, eliminate some distraction and get focused back on it. If you don't have that written down, then certainly you can think about why you did it, what was the purpose that you did it, what was driving you to do it. And again, the first thing you want to do is vet out that if those things still exist, then the issue is something else. If they don't exist, then there's where your potential issue is first. So let's say they do exist and you're like, yeah, this is exactly who I am now. It's exactly the same reason, but I'm still not feeling it. Then I think with what we've just come through in the past 18 months and we'll continue to go through for a few more, I mean, we're getting back to normal, but it's going to look different for a while. I can just tell you for me personally, my two children are, I have three kids, as I told you with the Read 5, two of them are psychology majors, so they'll appreciate this. I don't think we realize, and maybe we just, we're blind to it, we're just too busy, but I don't think we realize the drain and the emotional strain that we've been under for the last 18 months. So my feeling is you're feeling that way and you're tying it to your business because that might be the thing that's your North Star that's trying to keep you going. But there's probably a lot of different external things that are pulling energy from you, etc. Life's been different. So I think my advice would be, let's table that thought right now, get back out and do stuff for 30 days, reach out to clients, set up a social distant lunch with a mask. If that's where you like to reach with your clients, they're feeling the same way. Because I found just by doing some of that, I started to feel like kind of reborn a little bit. And so I just don't want to say you've got a problem deal with this. I think because of what we've been through in the really unique circumstance, I really think it's a kind of wait and see for the next 30 days or so just to kind of see how you're feeling. That sounds to me as I'm saying it even as a cop out, but I feel like until you can really identify what the true nature is, then it's hard to, to come up with an action plan. You probably need to admit that you're feeling different than you did and try to figure out why that is. So it all goes back to potentially the social connectivity or the life that you once had. Start taking incremental steps to returning to that normal as much as you can. And to your point, see how you feel if you feel slightly energized for it. I know I've got people coming over this evening, curlers. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, to just enjoy each other's company. Yeah, we're going to be planning a party, but you know what? I'm going to be energized for it because again, it's a little bit back of who I am as a person. And then that for sure, hopefully funnels back into the energy and results you get in business. 
Yeah, I think we totally have to make that something that we buy into and believe in. There's a big movement in business and in marketing of human to human and humanization, personalization, all these things. And so I think this has kind of been maybe one positive that's come out of here for someone like me and other people perhaps is what we saw is there's a push to go back to humanization and personalization in business and sales. And it was happening before COVID. There was people wanting to go back there because technology was getting just so loud and screaming in all the space. And so what we've seen is we miss that human interaction. And so going back to your other question, I'd be willing to bet that a big part of why we're feeling in that funk and feeling like we lost our way is because we've been cut off socially. And if you just get back out there and allow yourself to be back in the mix, honestly, walking the dog, just doing things outside and those kind of things, I think that's therapeutic. Absolutely. You've been an amazing guest. I sincerely appreciate just this free flowing conversation, talking about family, talking about curling, and also talking about how we can help others. If people wanted to connect with you, first of all, any last closing thoughts you want to share with the audience? And I also know people want to connect with you. What can you share with them as we start bringing this to a close? I would just say I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much. I live for a good conversation, not a scripted conversation. I just like to let the conversation go. So thank you. I mean, it was a real pleasure. I just think that the most human company wins. So if you're thinking about how to win, what to do, if you say, how can my organization, how can my company, how can I be more human today? That's going to be a step in the right direction every day. That'll lead to culture. That'll lead to a North Star metric. That'll lead to reducing culture clutter, all the things that we're faced with every day. But reaching me, I'm on LinkedIn, readfivegroup.com. That's the number five, R-E-E-D, fivegroup.com. But yeah, you can message me on LinkedIn. You can find me on the web, as I just said. And then if you like hearing about sales and marketing, we have the Rethink Marketing podcast that is really, obviously, I'm going to say it's good. I'm a little close to it, so I'll say it's good, right? But I think we have some very interesting conversations, and we're always rethinking things and having some good guests on. So that's me. All right. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure. I am always energized by just exchanging thoughts, getting to know each other even more, as well as servicing our listeners. So for those of you listening to this, thank you again for making it through another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast. Eric, it was my pleasure to have you on. I wish you continued success. Thank you, Beth. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.